cliffcentral.com. All right, listen, we've got to get to Dr. Hanan. This is what we do on a Monday morning. He is, of course, our resident psychologist. He is also the man who runs none less than the Anxiety and Trauma Clinic in Johannesburg, renowned psychologist, Dr. Hanan Bushkin. So let's talk to him about this Tabo Besta case, which is on everybody's mind at the moment. Isn't anyone? Doc, nice to see you. Um, Great to see you guys. It's amazing how this uh, this situation with Tabo Besta has just grabbed everyone's attention. It's all that anyone last week was talking about, and I think it's still yeah. a big deal. So we were wondering why someone like Dr. Nandipa, who we understand was a smart, you know, um, kind of upward, upwardly mobile and and seemingly quite successful person. Uh, she was, you know, she was in good networks. She had a great job. She had a great brain. She was the kind of person who shouldn't have been in a situation where she was with this criminal, but she got caught up with this guy. And the whole attraction to bad boys thing is is regular as a conversation with, uh, you know, me and some of the, the girls I know. Uh, what is this? Do you think she's also criminally inclined? Like it's a Bonnie and Clyde type of thing? I mean, what do you read from this? Why Why would someone throw in with a crook? There are many reasons why um, women are attracted to, many women are attracted to bad boys. There's sociological reasons, there's psychological reasons. The one of them could be social status. Uh, the bad boys represent a uh, higher order on a hierarchy level. So women feel that if they're attached themselves to that, they feel more protected, uh, safer, because they have somebody strong who represents a masculine energy. Uh, a lot of women like bad boys because they feel that it's a rebellious, rebellious against the social structure. Uh, right. Bad boys can kind of carry them with excitement and fun. And there's incredible emotional intensity also about bad boys. But I think the problem, uh, the overarching problem is with the title bad boys. Because if we call somebody a bad boy, it has almost like a cool connotation to it. It's kind uh-huh. of fun. It's exciting. It's uh, it's out there. It's adventurous. I mean, and we all want adventure in our lives. You know, how many people would say to you, it feels like I wake up every morning and now I'm on the hamster wheel. I'm waking up, going to work, going to bed, waking up, going to work, going to bed. Maybe on the weekends I'm having fun. But I, one thing that I see in my practice is that people uh, crave adventure. They crave fun. They crave uh, something new. They crave stepping out of comfort zone, which the everyday mundane things, adulting, doesn't allow them to do. And these bad boys are almost an analogy for, you know, come come back and come into the backseat of my car, let's go on an adventure. And these women buy that. But the problem is with the title bad boys. How about we call some of these men psychopaths? Suddenly it's not so cool anymore. So mm-hmm. you imagine, oh, it's quite cool going uh, on an adventure with a bad boy. It's not so cool anymore going on an adventure with a psychopath, somebody that could potentially hurt you. Another reason maybe that is worth noting is a lot of women grow up in turmoil, uh, whether it's trauma growing up with parents, with siblings, maybe outside of the home. And what happens is they become addicted to familiarity. So to give you an analogy, if you take a young girl and um, she goes through an abusive, an abusive household, abusive right. father, abusive uncle, physically, emotionally, emotionally, sexually, naturally that becomes familiar to her. So now she's 20 odd years old. She goes into a social gathering, a hundred men, 
99 of those men will treat her like a princess, but there'll be one guy that will absolutely abuse and control the so-called bad boy. And who will mm. she naturally pick? Well, she'll pick that guy. Not because that's what she wants, but because that's what's familiar. And I always tell people, you don't attract what you want. You attract what is familiar to you. So you don't create what you want. You create what you know. So people just naturally keep on repeating familiarities. And they'll all be sitting in my office going, I want somebody kind. I want somebody loving and caring, consistent and predictable and trustworthy. But they'll all keep on going for the same thing, which is familiar. So in terms of this story, uh, maybe there was an element in his personality that was familiar to you that was very attractive. Well, I mean, in this case, she is claiming he was abusive, that he may or may not have like actually physically harmed her, but emotionally clearly. Um, let's look at other examples then where the one partner gets carried away by the excitement of being involved with a criminal or with someone who's, you know, whose life is dangerous. You know, there are these, there are these women who are genuinely like turned on by the fact that there is perpetual danger and insecurity, which is counterintuitive. Most women, uh, and, and again, this is a huge generalization, but most women crave security, safety, the feeling of protection, the feeling of being looked after, the feeling of, you know, this is a kind of guy who in a bad situation can be relied upon. That's what we've been told for you know, thousands of years of human evolution. So why would it be that some women are are drawn to the danger? Yeah, but you've got to remember, what is safety? The truth is every single person on earth gravitates towards being safe. That is what has kept human beings alive for the last 200,000 years. But what is the definition of safety? The number one definition of safety is familiarity. The brain has been designed in such a way that it gravitates towards safety and it knows that safety comes with what you know because you know how to interact with it, you know what to do with it, you understand the language, you understand how to speak that language, you know how to manipulate it, and you mm -hmm. feel comfortable and safe with what's familiar. So, by the way, these so-called bad boys are not attractive to everybody. They're attractive to the people that find that one as a sense of adventure, but more importantly, as a sense of familiarity. If you take a, a girl or a woman that's grew, that's, uh, grew up in, in a stable, consistent, predictable hustle that uh, has given her an internal sense of safety, these mm -hmm. bad boys yeah. are just not attractive to her. They, she will not go for it. She will not find that attractive on all levels. So in this case, he, he was perhaps emotionally abusive, but yeah. he represented safety as well and security because there was that masculine strength as well as, I'm sure, familiarity to her. In other words, um, I'm, I'm just kind of trying to distill this. If you're a guy who finds yourself attracted to a girl who likes bad boys, you should be the one to put on the brakes because you should realize like this girl comes from probably an unhappy or insecure or unstable background. So actually, it doesn't matter how hot she is, stay away because she is dangerous herself. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's, that's really interesting because a lot of these guys that come here and these so-called bad boys that come to see me in my office, I tell them that the girl that's naturally going to be attracted to your character, remember, I turn to these bad boys and some of them are very insightful and smart. And I say, mm -hmm. let us scale zero to ten. Where do you see yourself? Zero means I add no value. Ten means I add incredible value. And some of mm -hmm. these bad boys are carry 
uh, have this incredible insight, we'll say I'm a three. So I say, if you're a three, well, who do you think you're attracting? Who do you think is attracted to you? Do you think a four, a five, a six, a 10? And they'll understand that a three attracts a three. That's the way it works across okay. the board. And I'll ask you, if you, do you want a three in your life? Well, if you don't want a three, you better become a 10. If you want a 10, you, if you, whatever you want to attract, that's who you become and you can control that. So, and what ends up happening with these bad boys when they meet these girls that are attracted to that, it makes it much more difficult for them to shift the puzzle piece, to shift themselves because you surround yourself with people that enable who you are because, again, it doesn't require you to change. So bad boys naturally surround themselves with people that are find that okay, find that familiar, enable uh, enable that, and don't and actually stop you from changing in the first place. Wow! All right, um, I'm going to let uh, Mumsy and Ryan ask you if they've got any questions, but I, I'm interested that a three should attract a three. You know, you kind of whatever you're pitching at is what you're going to to score at. I hadn't thought of that before. So if you consider yourself an eight or a nine, then that's what you should be aiming to to be in a partnership with, right? Well, well, Gareth, it's not what you're pitching. It's who you are that will attract the oh, opposite right. side. Yeah. So I could be pitching a 10, and for a one-night stand, I might pull it off. But if I really want to get into a relationship, quickly, you know, the person just scratches beneath the surface and sees that I'm a two, and they run a mile. Hmm. So it's not what I'm pitching. For a one-night stand, yeah, you can deceive someone. But for a long-term wow. relationship, who you are will attract the same caliber right back. <laughs> Sure. I find it, I find it very interesting because I think uh, uh, I think it was who was it? it was uh, it was Chris Rock who said if if you ain't shit or if your man ain't shit you ain't shit right but the reality is that I think a lot of people actually do want to um, okay so here's 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 a question I've been thinking about for a while I don't consider myself a bad boy um, I mean I I, I ride motorbikes. And immediately people just assume that I'm a bad boy just because of the image that it projects. But I also want to be able to be in a position where if somebody is on a journey of self-discovery and they're trying to like fix certain things about themselves, um, sometimes I find myself in 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 a relationship where for so long people have been told, telling me, Oh, don't look at someone's past. Their past shouldn't define who they are now, blah, 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 blah. How, do you think it's even possible to be with someone who has been in such a insane past and try and help them out of that situation if it's something that you're not even familiar with? Because I've been in that situation a few times and I really don't even know how to navigate that. Hmm. Yeah, it's not, it's not possible. There's no ways. There's no ways. <laughs> you, you, sh- you shouldn't get into a relationship with someone in order to turn them into something else. Because mm. if they turn into something else, what I see a lot of the time happening is they change a partner and then they're no longer interested. So they turn mm. them into the ideal fantasy, but when they become that ideal fantasy, suddenly the reality is that it's not what I want. So you turn somebody from a square to a triangle and they become a triangle and then you feel like I'm not attracted to a triangle. I want them. I want a square. And then you ditch them and you go look for a square. So never be with somebody who you want to change into something else. You either the dance works and you want to grow together and shift and change and mold yourselves in the relationship together with a long-term vision or do not change anybody because people don't change on their it, – it, you do not change anybody. You can't control that. You know, when I see patients that actually want to come to my office and they pay a lot of money to see me and they want to change, probably 70% of them don't put in the, the required effort. Yeah. Because as much as people yeah. want to change – 
they still find it incredibly difficult to, to change. So if you can't change yourself most of the time, can you imagine trying to change someone else? It's not, it's not, it's, it's not something that you can control. You should be investing into. And so, I mean, look, obviously, I think that's very, very sensible advice that you, you're not going to change anyone. You're also not qualified necessarily to change someone, even if you've got a savior mm. complex, even if you're the one who thinks that by helping people, you're doing something good for the world. But if, if, as you say, Doc, that, you know, you can't really change people, um, then are those people just fucked for life? Are they just, <laughs> are, are, is there, is there no way they can be made to improve, to, raise themselves from like a three to a four or whatever? Definitely. Definitely. I'm a big believer that people can shift if they put it the necessary. If I really do, I really do. My oldest patient was 94 years old and she had the, the insight and the foresight and the willingness to change. And she did. So you can change, but you can't change someone else. You want to need to change yourself. So you want to ask yourself, when I look at the world around me, is it the kind of value that I extract that will make me proud of who I am in 50 years' time? So when I look at my mm -hmm. friends, when I look at my family, when I look at my career, when I look at my sense of purpose, financial security, when I look at my surroundings, my environment, the car that I drive, the home that I live in, is that the world that I want for the next 50 years? And if the answer is no, then the onus is on you, not government, not ESCOM, not mm -hmm. your mom's. Not your girlfriend, not your boyfriend, not your husband, not your child to change you. The onus is on you. You take responsibility. People always talk about freedom. I want freedom. I want rights. But let me tell you what freedom and rights come from or come with. That's the one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is responsibility. Adulting is a responsibility. Adulting mm -hmm. means I have certain rights to drive a car. But guess what you have on the other side of the coin? You have responsibility to other drivers on the road too. You can't have freedom and rights without responsibility. So you want a bigger house? You want more purpose? You want a better relationship? You want financial security? You have the right, but you also have the responsibility to take charge. Be an adult. Hmm. That's bloody interesting because, of course, people don't like the corollary. They don't like the responsibility part. They want the right, but none of the responsibility. Exactly. Mm -hmm. exactly. exactly. What, 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 what percentage of... Sorry. Carry on, Doc. Sorry to you. No, I'm done. So, okay, so I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, I was in a, I was in a, a fairly toxic relationship, um, and I suggested that me and her go to therapy. And I think within ten minutes, she couldn't even deal with it. Like, she just couldn't deal with being honest, being open in that kind of space. Um, and it's unfortunate because that person is going to be in my life pretty much for the rest of my life because she's the mother of, uh, of my daughter. Um, but for me, in that situation, I was like, okay, well, you know, if you're not on board, I still need to try to figure out my vibe. I booked myself into a Kesso. We did dialectical behavior therapy. After that, I started getting into, like, family constellations and limiting beliefs to try and really figure out something about myself. The problem is, though, is that, I have a tendency sometimes to get on the high horse when I learn something and it's very difficult for me to kind of shrug that off. You know what I mean? And it can come off as a bit arrogant, like, Oh, you know, um, you know, I've been doing this and almost like suggestive, right? It's like I've been working on this. Maybe it's something that you should look into. Um, and then I stopped doing that and actually found myself in more relationships. The more that I was talking about all these things that I was actually trying to explore, the more that I was actually uh, getting into relationships with people who are doing that kind of thing. How do you um, 
Mike, how do you think that, what do you think is a safe way of suggesting to people like, hey, you need therapy? Because there's also very negative stigmas around therapy and, um, and all of that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. You know, I see, again, uh, many people that are censured by their parents, by their kids, uh, by siblings, by their spouses that don't actually want to be here. They, they almost like are forced to be in therapy because their partner or their loved one sent them. And I ask them a simple question. I say, how happy are you with your life currently? Just be honest. On, don't even answer to me. Answer to yourself. How happy are you with your current situation, with your health, financial security, family, friends, romantic, your sense of purpose and financial security? How happy are you? And if people say to me, I'm happy, then it's not my place to change that. But if they are not happy, I say then it's your responsibility to take the next step and to make a move. The, you know, life is not static and you have the option to actually do something about it. You don't have to stay where you are. You can actually make a move and you can be better if you want to. If that's something that you desire, you can definitely do it. But you can't make somebody move unless they want to, but the, mm. the clarity is you can make your life better. Love that. Doc, thank Love you. That. That's all, all we've got time for this morning. And have a good week, five days that we've got to squeeze everything into this week. So it's a little bit better than trying to squeeze it into four days. Um, let's be productive and let's get cracking, even though we might not have power 24-7. <laughs> we've got things to do. <laughs> good luck. Right. I, assume that's good why, week, I, assume, I assume that's why you're in your car, right? Exactly. Load shedding. The office is too dark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Doc. Cheers. There's Dr. Hanan, and we will check in with him next week. Same thing. Cliffcentral.com.